Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10 season show. Today, we're talking about season eight, episode 26, All That Glitters. Mary, what happened this week? Okay, so Jill and Steve didn't break up like 15 minutes or whatever into this episode, but I would like to point out that Steve finished voicing his concerns about their relationship to Brandon and Janet at the 15.50 minute mark, so I'm giving myself credit for being right anyway. Janet coaches Steve through how to break up with Jill, but he chickens out when she pulls out a one-month anniversary present for him. The next day, however, Jill lets Steve know that she's not an idiot and she can tell they don't like the same things. He eventually admits that that's true, and she'll always treasure him, but bye. Brandon collaborates with a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, Peter Raitt, on a story about football stadiums and whether taxpayers should cover the expense of their construction instead of paying attention to his girlfriend. When not picking fights with Brandon, Kelly insists she knows better than the mother of Chris, a night shift employee at the Wyatt Clinic with a developmental disorder. When he can no longer work his shifts due to a transportation issue, Kelly is sure she can help Chris transfer to the day shift instead. She promises nothing can go wrong, so obviously stuff goes wrong. When her attempts to make up for Chris's disappointment in how things turned out at the clinic also ends up disappointing him, Brandon remembers what's really important and steps in to help. Noah gives Donna a beautiful bracelet and asks her to move in with him. She says no, she won't move in because the next time she moves in with a man, it's going to be forever. Kelly suggests getting the bracelet appraised for insurance purposes after Valerie tells them it looks very valuable. Also, she knows a jeweler, because of course she does, who reports that the gems are made of paste. Donna confronts Noah after he gives her an equally fake, that's in air quotes, necklace and explains, no, the jewelry is not worthless, the value is just sentimental. Donna insists she never actually cared about what the diamonds, not diamonds, were worth, and that she loves him. Val gets David another career opportunity while also working on his taxes, but David is upset when he finds out that Kyle Scott, the filmmaker she put him in touch with, is actually making a deodorant commercial. David, unemployed but totally above making armpit music silver, plans to reject the opportunity until Val explains that he still has to pay taxes on his debt settlement income, even though Noah took care of all of his problems. David turns the heartfelt song he wrote for Valerie into armpit music. I just had my first new thought from watching this episode, thanks to your synopsis. What if David went to Noah and was just like, here are my taxes. You absorbed all of my debt. (laughs) Yeah, like he thought what absorb uh, what a what debt debt absorption is is just like handing over debt <laughs> on paper to another person. You can't just walk into a room and say you're bankrupt. Yeah, you can't. I didn't say it. I declared it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and my other new thought since hearing the synopsis was, if fake diamonds says a certain thing about their relationship from Noah to Donna, what does armpit music say to Valerie about the song? (laughs) I thought that the whole time, because I think at the end she was like, what, and you're going to sell it to a hemorrhoid cream? (laughs) Yeah, he's like, I mean, if they pay a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm kind of like, I mean, same? Like, I mean, I got to be honest, commercials pay good money. They do. 
I mean, those things stick around. Like, I mean, I can't think of a single jingle off the top of my head now because I'm having to think about it. But like a lot of commercials, if you make the right jingle, it'll stick. Like, I just thought of that stupid one that's like called 1-800-STEAMER. Stanley Steamer gets you carpet cleaner. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so dumb. But, but you can all head. remember it. Everyone's in their head going, carpet cleaner. Exactly. 800-588-2300 Empire today. <laughs> I mean, but seriously. Like, now I'm thinking like, of all the ones I know. I'm like, uh, some, some general save some time. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, this is what I mean. Like, writing these little jingles and, like, think of all of the commercials now that use pop songs. Like, David's just not understanding that this episode is, like, 15 years ahead of its time or whatever. Right. Well, and he's still kind of in the mindset of, like, a priority list of what is acceptable to run music on, right? Like, radio is number one. Film is number two. Commercials is, like, way down the list when not realizing, like, I mean, that's how you make connections. That's how you get in the business. That's how you might get another agent, like X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. And Valerie's like, oh, no, I have big picture. I I never not think big picture when it comes Mm -hmm. to these things. Yeah, this was one of those episodes where I really noticed how young David is. Like, I feel like I have to remind myself a lot of times this time I saw it. Right. No, it's a good point. But, But, okay, yeah, I mean, let's get into it because – Man, I got a lot of opinions, and I think the only way to go is to just, like, forge ahead. Yep. Because, okay, I got to say, this opening in the morning where Brandon and Kelly are getting ready is pretty amazing because as soon as he's, like, going through all of his stuff in the closet, he's saying he's nervous because he's meeting the hottest journalist in the country. While Kelly is saying it on screen, I'm on my couch going, you're the hottest journalist in the country. (laughs) Okay, but, like, this conversation, up until a certain point, felt very real. Like, it felt normal, you know? Yeah, I mean, it felt like Kelly was going to be supportive girlfriend and Brandon was going to be doing great things, but that she was still going to have something important in her life that makes her feel fulfilled and that he cares about. See? Noodle agrees. (laughs) But also, and also, like that kind of switch that flips when mm-hmm. they're having this great conversation, but then Kelly is just like, Well, you just talk about this meeting a lot. And then he's like, Oh, I didn't realize I was talking so much. And it just turns like that. That also felt really believable. And then it just never stopped. And that was when it right. got weird. Yeah. Cause it's like, this is, and maybe this is like therapy, Caitlin, thinking now is like, this isn't clear communication issue because, mm-hmm. and it's like very defensive nature, right? Like you're finding little tiny jabs at each other to like not really talk about your true feelings, which obviously we know later on in the episode, Kelly eventually does, but it mm-hmm. takes all this sniping and passive aggression and like all this kind of stuff to really kind of like put the pot on simmer you know Mm. and and until we reach full boil and when I said full boil it just made me think of Brooklyn Um, (laughs) Nine-Nine you never go full boil (laughs) yeah but yeah it's like Kelly's annoyed like you said because he's talking a lot about it and then she's like oh well you think my job's not important I'm like where did that come from literally nowhere she just said it 
And yeah. Yeah, it's like what? Because you don't have a lunch meeting? I mean, yeah. my favorite part about all of that was just Brandon being like, I'm sorry for taking my job seriously. And Kelly's like, oh, and I don't take my job seriously. My work is not important. Mm-hmm. Just it was all projection. Ma'am. Yeah, Mm -hmm. just like she's insecure about her job and her impact, which, you know, I can understand an imposter syndrome, but like, I'm like, arguably, like your job is very, like more important than Brandon's at this level, right? Like maybe Brandon's trying to get to a stage where he can be more influential in the journalism industry, but like right now, like you're literally helping people. So, and like. This season alone with her job, we found Dylan's sister and got her off the street. We are saving babies and uniting them with loving parents after we Mm -hmm. really messed that up. But we learn lessons. (laughs) We learn lessons. We are confronting people and leaving the world a better place. And then, like, this is finally not about her. And she's like, huh. Yeah. I know. She was very annoying this episode. Like, there were a couple moments where I was like, okay, that's cute. But, like... For the most part, when it's not the Chris stuff or, like, the Chris scenes, she was very annoying. And I hate Mm -hmm. thinking that because you know I love Kelly. But, like, even here, okay, so they they have these little snips and, like, Brandon is fussing with his tie, which is way too much. His ties Mm -hmm. were aggressive this episode. Mm Mm-hmm. But Brandon goes downstairs to start getting ready and Steve is, like, exhausted. Steve is, like – crawled downstairs to go eat some cereal and then he starts bragging to Brandon about his prowess Mm -hmm. four times which exhausting do not believe that for one second like any any guy tells you that they can do that they're lying (laughs) it's only like 15 minutes of activity and then like a few hours in between right (laughs) If that, I think 15 is being a little generous. I don't like, and like, it, it's a whole mood. She comes down, she calls him Steven. Apparently, like, apparently Jill had plans. She is mm-hmm. flying out to LA to surprise Ted and just pick up her life. She's been here for a month. I totally forgot that she, like, is not from here. <laughs> No, she flew here. She is living in Casa Walsh right now. Like, ma'am, what do you do for a living? Do you have a living? Yeah, we should actually be really concerned for Jill. Maybe Steve is like, maybe she's trying to con him and then she realizes he's too stupid and she's like, I can't do this to him. That's (laughs) not fair. Yeah, this isn't enough of a challenge for me. I got to go somewhere (laughs) else. (laughs) Because, like, yeah, literally this whole scene with Steve is just him bragging, and then she comes to call him Steven and make him breakfast. But mm-hmm. then Kelly comes in and continues their fight from earlier because, you know, that's truly how it happens, right? Like, yeah. you say, like, oh, like, my job's not important, and then you go downstairs, and you're like, he knows I have to leave first, and his car is blocking me in. It's like he doesn't mm-hmm. even care. Yeah. But- I did love this little back and forth when she's like, I hope your meeting is glorious. And he's like, well, with support like that, how could it not be? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing is like, yeah, every little thing turns into like some sort of undertone or some sort of like alternative meaning when it's not there. It's like you always see things that aren't there when you're looking for them, right? So I'm like, man, they just need to talk. Like, yeah, but that's not that's not 
good drama. <laughs> no, what is what we decided to do here is that Steve picks his head up and goes, you want support? Buy a jock. Yeah, like what? Okay. <laughs> and Jill is right there. Jill is making him breakfast right now. She should have been like Steven. Yeah, right? Oh, my God. If she would have done that, I would have been like, you can stay as long as you want. <laughs> I know Val would be like, do you want to date me? Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, oh, man. And then, like, setting up some of the other folks, Donna is on the boat, on Noah's boat, looking for her shoes. And Noah's like, I don't care that you have somewhere to be. Let's bang. And uh, in 20 minutes. She's yeah, not exactly. making that meeting anyway. No, she's not. And see, that's why I said 15 minutes is generous. <laughs> Noah's like, no problem. Anyway, and so he decides to like hand her this diamond bracelet and asks her to move in with him. And first of all, why on earth, why on God's green earth would Donna uproot her, basically her own apartment that is vacant except for her? To move on to a boat. I thought that too. <laughs> I was just like, he wants her to move dot 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 to the boat. <laughs> Here? <laughs> I was just having such a problem. And then, you know, I do really appreciate this attempt at like being really open and honest with each other. At least right. I thought they were being open and honest. Like I literally wrote in here, I was like, this is amazing that she says – no, I'm not comfortable with that because it's failed for me before. I need you to understand. And he's like, I do understand. I disagree, but I understand. I would yeah. like you to keep this present that is very uh, valuable. Yeah. Like he and says, I also – yeah, he said I – I don't remember exactly what he said. He said like he wants her like, to keep it. He says that he was like, I didn't give this to you to move in with me. I wanted to do it to show my love for you or something like that. Like, something... Yeah, it's, it's the whole thing of like it's a good representation of my love because they already yes. had said that at this point. Exactly. And yeah. yeah, and I agree. I thought it was like good communication here because she's like, hey, look, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings and like I really do love spending time with you. I just personally have this value that I cannot undermine. And he's like, okay. Like he – Yeah. He's allowed to want – something different right he's allowed to have a disagree disagreeing mentality but not let it affect their relationship and so I think yeah I agree it was like a really good place for both of them to be but lord have mercy where we go <laughs> right now I remember at this point I'm like flashing back to watching this episode being like oh okay we see like horribly dysfunctional Brandon and Kelly and then you see Donna and Noah being like mostly functional right and then to make it even worse for kelly kelly is gonna hate all of this because the next thing we see is david and val who are also having a very functional moment like i literally wrote in my notes that val is everything she is like, <laughs> she can do taxes she can do business taxes dude like when he lists things off because, okay, so before listing that off, like, he's playing the piano. He's, like, writing a song or something. Val walks in, and he admits, like, oh, I'm writing this for you. I'm, like, adorable. That's so cute. And then, like, he's kind of just so excited because he's, like, I'm, I'm finally, like, moving in the right direction. Like, this feels like the right place for me. And then he starts listing off the fact that she 
not only got him a record deal to begin with, then is now doing his taxes for him and has now networked enough in her own job to have met a filmmaker who likes David's stuff and even slipped him a tape of his stuff. And now he has a meeting to potentially work with him. Like, yeah, she's everything. (laughs) She's everything. Like when, when Val loves you, she loves you. Yes. She commits. Like, yeah, people give her a lot of crap, but like, and call her selfish and call her conniving and call her manipulative. And she can be those things, but that doesn't mean she is always those things. Like, she is actually very selfless. Like, look what she's doing for David in exchange for what? A song? A song. Yeah. No, I think it was this scene where he's like, you do so much for me. I have to think about a way to thank you. And she's like, oh, you already did for the song. Right. Like, Her love language is very clearly not gifts, you know, or like, well, like it is, but it's also, I don't know, acts of service, I think would be even higher for her. Like she really values when people care about her, but if they don't, she's going to take the gifts. Well, and I think time, I think she just values Mm -hmm. time. She values like being together more than extravagance. Like, yeah, she likes money and she likes people who have money. David does not have money. This is the longest relationship she's been in in a long time. She clearly doesn't care that much, like, because she's found a person that, like, accepts her for who she is. So she cares way more about the actual time spent with each other than she does, you know, the gift. I mean, now, granted, is she setting herself up for success by pushing David in the direction to potentially make a lot of money? Absolutely. But she's still Mm -hmm. doing the work. So... Well, and I do think we can call some of this growth because this does seem to be a pretty healthy relationship with someone who doesn't have money. And Mm -hmm. she's had a couple of relationships with poor people. We all remember Noah. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, this is the first time she's been in a relationship with a poor person and, like, handled it okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Not cheated on them with a rich person. Oh, Val, like, what can you say? (laughs) I love her. I love her so much. So much. So much. Oh, gosh. But then, okay, so we go to the clinic, and like Mary said, and kind of like we were talking about earlier, like, Kelly goes to the clinic and immediately is confronted with this, like, Cuban interest story that's going to tug at all of the viewers' heartstrings. This kid, Chris, runs in. He's really upset. He doesn't want to lose his job. And we find out that, yeah, Chris has, you know, different developmental challenges and it's harder for him to be in crowds. So he works the night shift at the clinic. Mm -hmm. Very confused about the idea of the night shift because Mm. we've seen Kelly lock up multiple times. Right. Where is Chris in all of this? Right. But – Kelly wants to help him. And she's like, okay, well, what if I find him another shift that works and he can still keep working here? And he seems so happy. He does. Like, I don't know who this actor is. I meant to look him up. I looked him up. I didn't see too much that I recognized. Well, and and the reason I wanted to look him up was to see if he is on the spectrum or has – I don't think he is. I didn't see any evidence that he was. Um, I didn't, like – literally google certain things though i'm not like i'm not good at googling well that makes it even more impressive because i actually think he portrayed having some different developmental challenges 
very well and in not like over the top kind of mm-hmm. um not believable way and oh my god was this boy cute like he was so precious like I just wanted to spend time with him and I wanted to give him a hug and I wanted to help him like I very much felt empathy for Kelly in this moment because I'm like you can see she cares about him on a deeper level when she like later on when she's showing him how to file stuff and like I'm like oh my god my heart like I don't know what it was it just tugged at my heart a little bit well and it's one of these things that shows that if Brandon and Kelly would just have better communication go to therapy for just a little bit just to learn how to better communicate now that you're in this different stage of your life but Mm -hmm. like it's this idea that Brandon does things on a macro level where he's you know, dealing with the taxpayers of LA, potentially paying for an NFL stadium. And then you've got Kelly on the micro level working with the clinic and with people like Pam and doing all of that. And occasionally the work gets to cross over. Like that's a power mm-hmm. couple. That's a totally. TV show. That is a TV show. Like, and how their worlds collide. Like, yeah. Yeah. That is a TV show. I'd watch that show. <laughs> I mean, we're trying to. We really are. <laughs> they just keep not giving it to us. <laughs> yeah. True. Okay, but then the Barnett Studios moment with Kyle Scott. And the first thing I wrote was, this man is not named Kyle Scott. No, it's not. (laughs) I'm like, why? Why is this like, we've had like three or four Kyles at this point. We've had multiple Scotts. True. That's a good point. Yeah, like, well, it's our most popular first name with our other most popular first names. Let's just put them together. It was ridiculous. And then David walks into his office. He's so excited. He's talking Mm -hmm. so much and eventually slips out about the movie. And Kyle's like, no, dude, this is for a commercial. It's a deodorant commercial. We've even already shot it. We just need you to put music in over it. Mm -hmm. And David is pissed. Dude, just I understand like not living up to your expectations, you know, but the fact that he was so – what's the word when you think you're better than something? Like, so pretentious or, or mm. like yeah. – you know what I mean? Like, just – like, self-absorbed, like – Yeah. Like, he was – I'm so high above this. Like, this is not what I do. And just that reaction, I'm like, brother, you have been handed everything. You literally got literally. in a band because one band member – heard you playing random keystrokes like that is not anyway and so when Kyle eventually tells him like hey David you know like everybody's got to eat I'm like yeah that's literally how you make your way you sometimes like have to do stuff you don't want to do to get to do the things you do want to do I mean Brandon is kind of living that right now like albeit he still is very privileged with what he gets to do but he's working at a daily paper or weekly. weekly. I don't remember what they said. Weekly. They, yeah. they say weekly. Yeah. And Which, like he doesn't want to do that. He wants to work for the New York Times. Yeah. He wants to work for a daily paper. He wants to get to put a big byline on the front page. Exactly. Yeah. I could not get over how much David like doesn't know how to do his taxes. Isn't even trying to learn. Mm-hmm. But like he's going to have to, you know, he's got all this business expenses and income and he really needs to understand these things. He can't just leave yeah. it to Val. She's not going to be around forever. Yeah, exactly. But And uh, yeah, yeah. anyway. It, it was just driving me nuts. I was like, bro, you can't just walk into a movie studio and get on a movie. Like, they're going to call Hans Zimmer first. You're not going to get it. 
What if they were like, oh, Hans isn't available. Who's that other guy that was just let that tape over there? David Silver? Yeah, call him. Yeah, like, what? What's his name? Not gold, not bronze, silver. <laughs> <laughs> I just, no, absolutely not. But then this, okay, this scene starts amazing. I hated how it ended with Kelly, but she looked so ridiculous. I couldn't stop staring at it. But we're in the peach pit. And Val is picking up her lunch. She sees Kelly and Donna. And I love that she sits down right next to them and is like, oh, my God, a girl's lunch. I didn't get the invite. <laughs> Me too. I think this is my favorite scene of the entire episode. Like, <laughs> it was so good. And, like, the facial expressions that they were putting on, like, Kelly and Donna are both just, like, insulted that Val is here. And she's like, oh, let me see that bracelet. And for some reason, they indulge her and they hand over the bracelet or they hand Donna holds up her wrist so that Val can see it. And Val appraises it at twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, she's like, give her Jake. You know Noah. <laughs> okay, so here's my thing. Here's what really I couldn't get over it in the scene. Because I would believe Val. I believe yeah. that she has a jeweler that she can eye jewelry from across the room. Totally mm-hmm. believe that. If I were Donna and Kelly, I would not believe a single fucking thing that came out of her mouth. A hundred percent. Like, it's beside the point if she is telling the truth or not. You just should never believe her. <laughs> like, no. like, go to Noah and be like, hey, I had a conversation with Kelly and got really freaked out about the fact that, like, I don't know if this bracelet is insured or not. Right. Because that's literally what Kelly says. She's like, hey, you need to get this insured or, yeah, you need to get this insured, so you have to go get it appraised. But just for insurance purposes. Only insurance purposes. We're not all really excited to see if what Val just said is true or not. hmm Insurance. Well, and it's so funny because, like, then not only has she grabbed them with this off-the-cuff appraisal that she's not a jeweler, but, you know, that they end up taking. Like, she she has hooked them. That was the bait. They took it. So now she's like, ooh, okay, let's actually reel this sucker in. And she says, well, the value of a diamond is a perfect indication of a man's affection. And Kelly, astutely, knowing Val, says, that's absurd. She should have left it at that. That's absurd. Mm-hmm. But no, <laughs> what if a man can't afford diamonds? And then I think that's Val's only a like, problem you should worry about, Kelly. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> It was oh, so God. good. Such a sick burn. Like, so good. <laughs> like, literally, it's like Val came in here, no intention to cause a fuss, and then saw them sitting there without her and is like, I hate them. I can't believe they don't want to hang out with me. Mm-hmm. Came over to cause five seconds of chaos and then just left. Like, literally, like, throws a grenade, runs away. <laughs> literally and then when she leaves kelly and donna just don't even realize what she did kelly mm-hmm. thinks she's hilarious going her pimp must have paged her like yeah like her face she's dying they both are they're both like ah, that means you're so like, funny lose. <laughs> like, ah. yeah I, just, I hated it but no valerie always wins <laughs> She's like, 
she had nothing to gain here except chaos and she still chose to do it. And like, Mm -hmm. I almost even feel like as a writer, you could be like, there's no reason for this, this episode. We have so much else going on. We don't have to do it. And then someone said, no, do it. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 dark Kermit in the black robe just being like, do it. (laughs) It's like, or it's like in the Legends episodes we just watched with the Ultimate Buds. It was like, but on the other hand, why not? (laughs) Yeah, hit the button. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So then we are like, we are picking up speed here. Everybody is off doing something else. And Brandon, in this case, is at his lunch meeting with uh, Peter. Peter says he's been working. (laughs) <laughs> he says he's been working at the time since he was 19 and that he started on fluff pieces he literally says that to brandon that he was working on human interest pieces to work mm-hmm. his way up mm-hmm. and brandon says really i've been working at the same weekly paper for some time now but i don't know why i stay it's been seven months yeah it's like he it is very backwards to what you think Brandon would be like because you would think Brandon is in journalism for the love and passion of journalism. He doesn't, he seems like the kind of guy and everything that we've always known about him seems like the kind of guy that wouldn't really care to an extent where he works as long as he gets to make a difference, right? It's about Mm -hmm. telling stories that people care about, you know, that sort of thing. And I think he has been, mostly that way but then mm-hmm. it's like once he stops getting these opportunities or once he started realizing that the world is much bigger than what he anticipated he's like well now it's all about the acclaim it's about the awards it's about the notoriety like the reputation and now he's yeah he's forgetting the fact that he got handed this paper he's mm-hmm. literally a publisher or no sorry the editor albeit of a small paper but still the editor that he can put on a resume and show I've been editing. I've been writing and editing. I do both. That's going to propel him much more than just doing a fluff piece or being a scab, you know, like, so I I don't know. It was just, it's interesting to hear him get so morose about it. Like so quickly. It's weird because it's really only been this season that he's been working at the Beverly Beat. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it feels like it came out of nowhere, but that it's kind of been leading up because he did the scab thing. And, like, Mm -hmm. he never wanted to work here in the first place. But then he – I don't know. It feels like the beat is actually really good for him. Exactly. But He's not going to have this, like, level of freedom anywhere else right off the bat. But this guy, like – the whole episode is called All the Glitters, and we talked about how the second half of that is not gold. So that's already starting to happen here, where Brandon is seeing that this guy is offering him a shared byline in exchange for working together and researching mm-hmm. this whole NFL stadium thing. Right. And, like, Brandon is absolutely ensorcelled by Peter Rabbit. I know, and... To be fair, he probably should be. Like, this is a good way to kind of get your name out there without quitting your job and going somewhere Mm -hmm. else, right? So Yeah. No, this is a great opportunity. And I would be really curious if this is the kind of opportunity he would get in journalism working at a place like The Times. Like, are they going to let him just go work with another newspaper for a shared byline? Probably not. 
And Steve doesn't know to say no to this. <laughs> yeah, Steve doesn't even know it's happening. <laughs> I'm pretty sure later in the episode, he's like, oh, cool. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. And, yeah. And then we get a brief scene at Chris's apartment. Kelly has found him a day job at the clinic. He can start right away. And his mom is just like, I really just think we need to be careful with him. Like, you've never actually seen him having working in this clinic. I want to set him up for success. And, you know, I'm really nervous that you have, whether or not you have his best interests in mind. And I'm sitting here thinking like, that's probably pretty intuitive about Kelly at this point. Like she might right. think she has his best interests in mind, but I don't think she does. Like, or I guess, or, yeah, the intentions are there, but she hasn't actually thought through what's happening. Exactly. It's more of a, she doesn't know what she doesn't know, but thinks she knows kind of situation. Like yeah. she probably is, is she's using what intuition she has. It's just, not fully formed right and and that's yeah. okay like that's not a knock on her it just is what it is and I actually think this was kind of interesting with the mom because I feel like in the first scene they were actually trying to make it out make her out to be somebody who doesn't care about Chris who is yes. more frustrated by his challenges than she was supportive of his independence and because I know that's how I reacted. I was like, oh, wow, she's mean. She sucks. But then Same. we get to this scene and it's like, oh, no, she's literally just trying to, like, look out for her son. She understands his capabilities and his disabilities way more than anybody else does. And even just by allowing him to kind of venture out on his own, knowing that he at least has some support from Kelly, even though she doesn't really know her, that's that's enough right that's that's so that's so much independence and so the fact that then in this scene we get her saying there's a lot of pressure being in crowds for him he's you know clearly it's like a sensory thing you know in an mm. overwhelming situation and the fact that she's able to talk to Kelly about that I'm like oh they're just portraying her poorly like mm -hmm. we can really see through this here and actually see that she just cares a heck of a lot she just and she's nervous. She's anxious. She doesn't want to set him up for failure. Yeah, exactly. Like this, I had the exact same thought. In the first scene, I was like, well, I hate her. We're setting mm -hmm. Kelly up to be the hero. Mom's going to apologize and say she learned a lot. Chris is going to be, you know, in a great place. And then you have this one where she comes off as so much more caring. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was just like really thrown for a loop. But then I was like, okay, yeah, at this point, I do believe that like she's trying to help Kelly – help her yes and exactly on the other side kelly is like no i got it i can help you and she's like mm, okay sure. yeah and just the fact that like she's even like willing to allow this to happen is a big big gamble um mm -hmm. but man chris is just so excited when he hears the news and i just oh i love chris i fell in love with chris in this episode like he's so precious and so sweet yeah, we've been watching a lot of Modern Family lately, and I just remember how much now I love Phil Dunphy just because he's so positive all the time. Mm -hmm. And, like, mm -hmm. Chris was just, like, so excited about having a job. And, I mean, literally, we got on the Zoom and all just started complaining about our jobs. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? But, no, we could he's really just so take a excited. And, like, it yeah. reminds me – I don't know if you guys ever watched the show Atypical on Netflix. Mm -mm. Oh my God. 
watch it. It is so unbelievably good, but it's basically centers around this kid with autism and and like kind of his journey through basically being a teenager and growing up and all this kind of stuff and it just and Chris made me think of him not just because of a de- developmental kind of challenge or whatever, not just because of that, but but just because the attitude and kind of this there's a lot of kind of real innocence and and joy that people have when they're not so jaded by the regular world right like like we were just saying like you were saying we came on this and started complaining about our jobs but Chris is just so full of joy to be able to have a job and go to a job and I just like I don't know he just he was such a bright spot in this episode that I cannot say good enough things about Chris yeah I I'm gonna hold my thoughts until the end because like I just the Zamboni stuff right got me (laughs) but okay we're not there yet because we have to go to cause walsh first because it's nighttime and jill who has just completely left her job moved to la is living in steve's room which is Mm -hmm. ridiculous if you think Mm -hmm. about it as a grown woman Mm -hmm. but she's completely redone it she put satin sheets on the bed. She put little angels and candles and flowers and hearts everywhere. And she took down the signed Shaquille O'Neal poster. (laughs) Which I will agree with Steve. That is a travesty. You don't leave that thing in a closet. Nobody puts Shaquille O'Neal in the corner. (laughs) They they literally can't. He doesn't fit. I'm surprised (laughs) it's in the closet. Exactly. God. But no, it's like she – you know they're just recycling this, right? Like Kelly literally yeah. when she moved in did the exact did the same, same stuff. thing. Yeah. Yes. Like come on guys, think of something different. But yeah, it's like but then she wants to bang and she can sorcel Steve and he's all excited and claps off the lights. Like Yeah, clap on, clap off. It's the That's another jingle. There you go, David. You're welcome. I wasn't even alive when the clapper was popular. Exactly. Man. Oh my gosh, because yeah, this is that scene because downstairs at Casa Walsh, Vel's jeweler came to her, which is amazing. I love this connection for her. I just need her to show up at random places with her jeweler and be like, can I appraise that real quick? (laughs) I mean, truly, he came to her and Donna is just like, oh my God, I can't believe you talked me into doing this. But like, girl, you showed up with the ring or with the bracelet. Exactly. Like you like you could have just shown up without it. And yeah, the appraiser's there. He's got his like cool little like eyeglass thing. Uh what is that thing called? I it's a uh, jeweler's loop. Yes. And he's like, Well, I think it's about twenty to twenty five. <laughs> and Donna's like, thousand? Like dollars. No. <laughs> okay, so at this point, did you think that Noah knowingly gave her knockoff jewelry or that he got scammed because I went straight to he got scammed yeah yeah same I got it because the way that he acted when he gave her the jewelry in the first place and like that it was tied to her moving in I'm like there's no way he would have given her basically pretty pretty princess jewelry and with the intention of saying like I don't love you I'm just asking you to move in with me like that that wouldn't have made sense so, yeah, no. I was totally like, yeah, he got scammed. He just doesn't know jewelry, which is fair. 
I was so worried. I just thought he thought Donna wouldn't care how much it cost and was like, ooh, mm. pretty, and Which, picked it up. And that was well, my other thing fair. is I was like, I, I wonder if he honestly just like picked up some jewelry and put it in a case. Like, that's well, the way you like, present jewelry. Exactly. And like Noah has had this chip on his shoulder the whole season since we've known him of people expecting money from him. So to Mary's point, it's like, yeah, he probably was also like, Donna won't care and also I don't want her to care so I'm gonna get her something that I think she's going to like the dollar amount doesn't matter Mm -hmm. so meanwhile it apparently (laughs) matters a lot dude when the jeweler is just like well either he was misled or and Valerie jumps in she's like or he doesn't love you as much as you think he did (laughs) and then she just storms out (laughs) goodbye the way (laughs) The way Donna just allowed these thoughts to be implanted <laughs> into her silly little head. Literally. Like, girl, and come Val on. Knows, like, she knows what she's doing. She knows who the right targets are, what their buttons are, and she is just, like, full send. <laughs> no, she is, like, flying high when David comes in, but then he's pissed, and he starts yelling at her about a commercial, and she's just, like... So it's the way to get your foot in the door because she's smart. And then he yells at her, I don't do armpit music. (laughs) I lost it on this scene, like multiple times in my notes. Once again, I'm just writing like, what is happening? Who wrote this? I don't do armpit music. (laughs) So funny. And, like, I don't know how they got through that without laughing or without breaking. Like, I do not know. But, yeah, like, in all seriousness, he immediately jumps. He he runs into old David. Here we are again. Oh, hey, New. Noodle's back. Um, he runs. He, like, we, we meet old David again, and he's just, like, quick to judge, quick to anger. And he's like, how could you? And she's like, what are you talking about? I had no idea. I thought this was for a movie. And he just, like, storms away. I'm like, what? Valerie has done everything for you. Did you forget the long, long list that you just talked about, like, six hours ago? I know. And, like, she still got you a job. Could be a lot And she's still doing your taxes. I know. Don't even get me started on that. We're not even there yet. Okay, but this is the next day. So much happens, and it starts with Chris showing up for his first day job clinic, or first day job at the clinic, and Kelly is giving him, you know, the how-tos, where to put everything, trying to make it so clear for him. Like, they actually seem to have a pretty decent filing system. Here's your thing with two copies. You put the top copy in the top and the bottom copy in the bottom. Yep. Brilliant. Yep. But he gives her his Samboni card, and it was the cutest thing in the world because he was so (laughs) excited, and then... I was on edge for the rest of the Chris stuff. As soon as he gave her that Zamboni card and -hmm. said he understood things without writing it down, I was like, I've seen what happens when trainees don't write it down. Well, and like, you know, like it can't just be this like perfect storyline, right? Like every single thing goes up only to come back down, only to go back up again. So we Mm -hmm. knew something was going to happen, whether it was something him messing up with his job or her losing the Zamboni card or something like that. We we knew something was going to happen. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about the Zamboni card getting lost. Oh. Mm-hmm. 
That would have killed me. Me too. But yeah, it's just this little scene. It's really setting it up and literally just like there to be like, something bad could happen here. Just you wait. Exactly. And then we cut to the Beverly Beat where Steve is workplace harassing all of his coworkers by telling them about his sex life. Dude. Specifically, how bad it is to the point that Jill got so distracted during the four times that they bang every night to light a candle. Like, I just love that the tells idea. me a lot. Right? Like, I love the idea of just like, what did he call it? In the middle of a good bounce or something like that? Yeah, and I have questions about that too. <laughs> just one just one good bounce like all the other bounces so so this was a good bounce <laughs> and like what kind of bounce because it really makes me think of trampolining and like double bounce me <laughs> she just double bounces off steve sees a candle's like oh <laughs> can you imagine like she grabs she's on the way up on the double bounce she grabs the matches lights a match lights the candle waves it off and then <laughs> lands back down <laughs> what are you doing girl i don't that was like a good it bounce. <laughs> i don't like it <laughs> this got so unintentionally explicit <laughs> What are you talking about? That started it. (laughs) What are you talking about? I'm just talking about the bed. Like, I mean, (laughs) because they're really not banging every night. They're just jumping on the bed until they're out of breath and giggling like little idiots. Exactly. Exactly. He's like, you got to focus on the bounce. (laughs) Oh my gosh! Uh, But all of this to say that, like, Steve is complaining about the relationship. Brandon and Janet both see that there are things that are wrong with it. Different things. Brandon is much more concerned about the shack poster. Mm-hmm. But like, kind of rightfully so. But then they also mention that she calls him Steven. Oh my god. Which, the fact that like Brandon is like, and she calls you Steven. Like, why is that wrong? Why is that wrong? See, I'm kind of obsessed. I kind of love that she calls him Steven. Exactly. Me too. Like, especially in certain tones. Like, I could understand calling him Steve most of the time or, like, some other pet name, but, like, using Steven, like, I will do that with Nate. Like, I, he is Nate most of the time, but every now and then I'm, like, Nathan. And mm-hmm. he doesn't mind that. I don't think. He's never expressed otherwise. It's just fun. Like, what's the point of having a name that's nicknameable if you don't use it? Exactly. Yeah, I called John like seven different iterations of Jonathan half the time. Mm, mm-hmm. See? Easy. Yeah. But they're just like, oh my God, no, not Steven. You say your name is Steve. But then Jill comes in and she's got them tickets to the opera and Steve is just like, I love the opera. Like he tries to sing and prove that he likes the opera. Because that's how you, every opera singer, lover, can also sing opera. <laughs> I'm so confused about why Steve is pretending to like these things when he supposedly has like already come out to her as who he is when he mm. wasn't what's his name. Yeah, okay. When she says happy one month anniversary, that includes the two weeks he was pretending to be Ted. And that's when I really lost a lot of respect for Jill. Mm-hmm. Agreed. 
Like, it's bad enough that Steve is pretending right now to like opera because you're right. Why should he be doing that? He should have, right. from everything he said, he should be making her fall in love with the real Steve, not Steven right. who tolerates the opera. Well, that but. and like, sh- it's that, but it's also the fact that she or he just, like, what do they talk about? Because, like, once you commit to saying you like something that you don't actually like, it's not like you all of a sudden have this wealth of knowledge about the topic. So, like, what do they even talk about? Yeah. No, and, and she calls him out on it pretty fast. Like, this backfires mm-hmm. on him pretty immediately. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I guess kind of speaking of that, over at the After Dark, bonus points for David coming in and immediately apologizing for his behavior last night. Um, right. It does seem like the reason he's apologizing is because he got another check for under $1,000 and thinks he doesn't have to take the commercial job. Mm-hmm. But then Val makes him sit down and tries to explain to him that declaring bankruptcy is not just standing in a room and declaring bankruptcy. <laughs> and he actually owes $8,000 to the government. Mm-hmm. And that's because a lot of money. Homie was not paying payroll taxes on his salary. Yeah, at first I was like, oh, that's kind of like capital gains tax. But no, it's like when you own your own business and you have to give yourself a salary, you still have to pay taxes on that salary. Yeah. And he just was like, no, I don't. (laughs) Oh, David. And yeah, when he starts like getting so upset, he's like one step forward, two steps back. My royalty checks are only like a grand. I was like, yeah, but you got two this week. Yeah, exactly. And do you really not have any other savings? I don't think he does, to be yeah. fair. Um, I guess he but, was heavily in debt to the loan shark. Yeah, he stuff. like barely came out at zero, I think. Yeah. Like he's been having to rely on living with other people. But True. the problem I now get here is this episode aired on April 1st, and they do repeatedly mention April 15th and taxes and whatnot for David. File an extension. Yeah, true. Did they have ex- like, this is a silly question, but did they have extensions back then? I mean, I was not paying taxes at that point, so I cannot be sure. But I don't see why not. Yeah, like I wonder when the first like this is such an adult thing to wonder, but like when, <laughs> when what year was the IRS like? Yeah, you can file an extension. <laughs> when did they first implement payment plans? Yeah. I mean, truly, David is a candidate for all of these things. Exactly. I mean, this is, like, kind of a very adult moment in this show that I wasn't expecting because, like, Val is actually trying to explain taxes to him. Well, and especially – yeah, because they use actual jargon. Mm -hmm. Like, even David's like, well, yeah, but, you know, I passed on my debt at the time of the sale or, like, whatever it was. And Val literally is like – yeah, you did. However, there's this other thing, like, blah, 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 like using actual financial jargon. And I was like, huh, usually we just hand wave a bunch of this stuff. Like we're actually getting into what it's like to be in the real world. <laughs> well, I feel like this is like when they try and do the medical drama episodes or the law mm. drama episodes, but this time they can literally be like, well, someone just go get an accountant and ask them, you know what? I have mm-hmm. seven accountants in my family. Let me just text them real quick. Right. Like, this is an easy one. Somebody probably was doing their own taxes and was like, I don't know, you want to throw it in? <laughs> we need something else this week. It sounds right. Yeah. Let's do it. 
<laughs> and then, so, okay. Speaking of lunch, Brandon is at his second lunch meeting with Peter and for some reason has brought Kelly, even though mm-hmm. even at the beginning, I'm pretty sure Kelly's just like, why am I here? In same. Because. Yeah. I, even when she's like starting her own part of the conversation, I'm like, she didn't need to be here for that. Like Brandon could have just. Anyway. Yeah. Well, because, like, Peter shows up. He met with this guy who is, like, the developer. They think he's going to be the one doing this stadium. And (laughs) I think it's hilarious that Peter's like, oh, yeah, I met Tom. And Brandon's like, I've been trying to see him forever. And Peter's Mm like, well, he's a fan of my work. He wants to take me up in the Gulf Stream this afternoon. Like, okay, humble brag. Well, and I love that, like, every single – reason thus far for people wanting to meet with other people is just they liked my work they saw my work and they liked it not like natural connections and like actual networking it's like no no it's it's only fans of the work it's only fans he likes peter's <laughs> only fans <laughs> i see what you did there <laughs> but see and every time they do this when they're like oh yeah i know your work i'm like how yeah. Like, I read articles on the internet now where it's really easy to see somebody's backlog of work. I can't name seven journalists. Like, I can yeah, name it, some on The Athletic, right. but I follow The Athletic, and I go out of my way to follow them on Twitter. And that's not something that I could do with Peter the Reporter. Well, and that's the thing is, like, that kind of shows you, too, like, if we go backwards 30 years in time, it's like there was way less content, first of all, and then there there was – less people doing less content so I guess it was likely that if you subscribe to a national daily paper or whatever you would become familiar with bylines and things like that but it's just so hard to believe nowadays especially like same thing with the David storylines it's like how these little people and I don't mean little people in a bad way I just mean like with little following get these big big opportunities because today we're just constantly bombarded with content in every kind of medium that Mm -hmm. it's just baffling to think oh yeah I just saw your work I liked it so I found a way to reach out I 411'd you you know like I I figured out how to get your phone number or your email address (laughs) well not even email at this point it was literally a phone number so it's just yeah kind of fascinating it's so fascinating and yeah like at some point in this conversation Kelly starts mentioning Chris and Peter just looks at her and is like, yeah, that sounds great. I mean, it's kind of soft. Mm-hmm. And you can tell she's feeling a little embarrassed. She turns to Brandon. She's like, oh, you could write about it. And Brandon just like does not support her in this moment. So she bails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she gets Which, up. She's like, all right, well, y'all continue your lunch. I am not needed here. I got things to do. Bye-bye. And this is the point of contention, right? Because then when like Kelly tries to leave, Brandon gets up. It's like, hey, where are you going? Like, this is a good opportunity, whatever he says. And Kelly's like, don't patronize me, Brandon. And like, to be fair, in this moment, I actually was on the side of Kelly here because mm-hmm. it really did feel like, A, what's the point of her being here? And then B, once the point of her being there was established, not only did Peter totally scoff at the idea, Brandon took on that same reaction. And frankly, Mm -hmm. kind of embarrassed her. 
And now yeah. he's trying to be like, why are you leaving? It's like, mm. And that's that's the thing. Kelly has literally shown up at events to play the devoted girlfriend for Brandon before. Yeah. She could have done that if I think he set those standards and they had agreed upon it. But you see at the beginning of this lunch that they're just like, I don't even need to be here. No, it's fine. Don't even worry about it. And then just like pain. Right. Right. And then, and then because she left for this lunch, she comes back and Chris is like distracting a kid while he's getting a shot through a door so he doesn't like see it coming. And that's very cute. Mm-hmm. So cute. But but he made a filing mistake and another doctor starts to call him out and it starts to really stress him out. Like he doesn't like that he made this mistake. And Kelly keeps trying to say, no, 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 it's my fault. I didn't train him. I didn't make sure that everything was set up for him. I did this. But he gets upset and he runs out. Mm-hmm. And I like definitely think Kelly should have worked harder to get him to stay. <coughs> or I completely ran after agree. him. You know? Yeah. Yeah, well, and so I think to an extent she does run after him, but I, I kind of feel like she stays and does some file fixing or something because, like, I'm actually going to skip ahead because it goes, like, Noah, Donna, Brandon, Kelly, Noah, Donna. So I think we should, mm-hmm. like, keep talking about Brandon and Kelly first. Sure. Because Kelly does go out all night and she's looking for Chris. She finally finds him at his mom's restaurant, so we know he's safe, but – She's been out all night, and Brandon has been working on his article, and he has noticed she's not home. He says when she walks in, I've been calling. Where have you been? But then when she's talking about being so stressed about Chris, he's, like, typing and not really paying attention. But then she's like, it's more than that. It's our entire relationship. And Brandon is just like, wait, I'm sorry, what? And before that, she was like, I've been looking for Chris. And Brandon has the gall to be like – Who's Chris? I I think I blacked out and just like didn't absorb that because that is my pet peeve. Like John does a lot of like writing code and like focusing on things. He gets like, you know, fixated on the thing he's working on or like he plays his racing games and if you stop paying attention, you run into a wall. I get it. <laughs> but we got in this argument yesterday. <laughs> You need those, like, what is it? I think it's progressive commercials where they're like, let's try Yeah, where they watch the replay. <laughs> yeah. And then you've just got the one, like, closing the door, the <laughs> yeah. sunroof. No, I need that in my life. We have a pet cam, and I'm just going to start, like, turning on the microphone so that it can just hear us where I tell him things. And then later on, he'll be like, do you want dinner? And I'll be like, it's 9 p.m. I ate two hours ago. <laughs> yeah. Did you not hear me make an entire meal for myself? <laughs> I put food in front of you. It's on the table still. <laughs> yeah. But no, like the way that he says, who's Chris, that is a surefire way to set me off. Like if you do something like that, like she has literally been talking about Chris, working with Chris, going and like doing things related to Chris for several days. Pro- we we can assume, you know, a week or so, because this is clearly mm-hmm. not the first time that she's like worked with him before for so long. And literally in front of another reporter said, let's do a story about my friend, Chris. Like <laughs> it's so blatant. And he's just like, who's Chris? And I'm like, Nope. Uh, uh-uh, I'm, I'm done. Like I, I, I would have gone upstairs. I just, and she upstairs. doesn't. Yeah. No, she's like, oh, he's that guy I work with. I was like, yeah. Really? Because I would have just taken his laptop and left. I would have just picked it up and walked away. Yeah, same. I'm like, I don't, oh, he's this guy I met. And like, I would have made up a story. 
you know, like, <laughs> I, like I would have been so petty in that moment and have made up somebody who hit on me or like, you know, and I would like to think that I would have done that in less, um, like, you know, bad, more bad times of Caitlin in the last like 12 <laughs> years of my relationship. But I still think that I got triggered here and I'm like, oh no, it's on. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Like, I would love to think I'm more elevated than that. Mm-hmm. But I genuinely got so mad. I know. It was just so frustrating. Like, because then you just feel so unimportant. You feel like you're mm-hmm. not heard. You feel like every other thing in this life is more important than you. And I guess to her credit, she internalizes that. And doesn't react in a way that is immature or petty or a way that I might. But But then then she she internalizes it and says, I feel like I'm holding you back. I feel like I held you back when I was shot. It's it's almost like she gaslights herself in this scenario. You know, like she's very much like, oh, no, I'm the problem. Not you blatantly ignoring me and not hearing me and not caring about me. I'm the problem. I'm distracting you from your bigger aspirations. So she gaslights herself into thinking that she's wrong when in reality it's like, no, no, you probably both have some bad qualities here. But in this exact moment, Brandon was wrong. Like Brandon was absolutely wrong. Once again, I have questions for CU psychology department. (laughs) So much. This girl well, should not have if, graduated. If they hired a cult leader, I think, you know. <laughs> like, That's fair. That fair. is fair. <laughs> it's no wonder she th- – anyway. But, yeah, she ends up saying, like, she feels like they're heading in different directions. Brandon wants a career like Peter Rabbit's, and she doesn't want to hold him back. And she says, like, you're unhappy. He's like, what? No, I'm not. And she's like, dude, it's literally written all over your face. Like, you're not happy at the paper. She doesn't say this part, but she's like, you're not happy at the paper. You're not happy with me. We do not have things in common right now. And I personally don't think she's wrong. I literally wrote in my notes, I do not think she's wrong. I feel like they have had so many downs this -hmm. entire season that like they just need to break up. I'm just over it. Like, I'm sorry. I wish Mm -hmm. I wasn't. No, I'm with you because it feels like they're only together because they've known each other a long time and they do have love for each other, but it's not compassionate love anymore or like um, necessarily romantic love. It's almost like the companionship kind of love. And I'm not saying that that's a bad kind of love because it's still love. It's just a different kind of love than I think they're meant for. I completely agree. Yeah. So, okay, then there's Noah and Donna. (laughs) Speaking of another uh, love that I don't think I agree with, (laughs) it's just, it's this weird thing because Noah is like, hey, I also got you a necklace to go with the bracelet. They're a set. Like, don't take that bracelet off while Donna is brushing her hair on the boat. And they're always on the boat. I don't know why they don't spend more time in the beach apartment. I don't either. Like, but... Anyway, yeah, I, don't, I yeah. thought I had something else to say about that, but I didn't. Right, it's because there's nothing else to say. Why are you on the boat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, okay, so this is where um, she's like, you don't need to buy me jewelry to tell me how you feel. Like, I know how you feel. And he's like, oh, but it's a perfect reflection of how I feel. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. she knows that the bracelet is paste and presumably the necklace is as well, but mm-hmm. – I got to be honest, those do not look like a set. 
No, and it be- it bears a question like why didn't he give them to her both at the same time if they were a set? Yeah, like he's being really weird about this. And she yeah. is too now that she's actively lying to <laughs> yeah. him. But- right, now that they're eff- effectively not communicating. Oh my god. And then she's home at the beach apartment and Val comes over. Just completely unannounced. I love that Val comes over with Kelly's laundry, but doesn't <laughs> Kelly live at Casa Walsh? Yes. <laughs> so she like brought this sweater over and Donna makes the most amazing face when she just barges her way in and then calls her pathetic for coming all this way with a sweater. And then Val pushes her buttons and tries to start a fight. But like in the Val way where she's just like, oh, speaking of pathetic, how mm-hmm. did it go telling Noah? And Donna's like, no, Noah loves me. It's fine. But in all this commotion, Donna drops her necklace and Val just like – Val does what my cat does when there's food <laughs> on the ground. And Val sticks her little paw out and covers it. And when Donna can't see it, she just pulls it in. it up, yep. But it works. Val sneaks it out to get it appraised. I love that she sneakily just is like, I'm going to show you by telling you the full estimated value. What do they say on the prices, right? It's like the uh, approximate retail value is. (laughs) And then they say $20 or whatever. Like, I can't. just. She's so funny. I love that she came over completely unannounced to bring over a sweater, quote unquote, just to confront Donna and then steals from her. I just love her fierce commitment to a bit. <laughs> she can't not. Like, yeah. David comes and yells at her and then David can't afford to take her to lunch. So she's like, well, I got to do something. Mm-hmm. I need to fill my time in some other way. Yeah. If I can't have lunch, I'm going to cause chaos. Mm-hmm. And then, so this this one's my favorite because it makes absolutely no sense that in all of these meetings with Tom, Peter has gotten himself invited to an L.A. Kings workout where he's going to go on the ice with professionals. He's writing an expose about <laughs> how this is a bad idea to put a stadium in L.A. And the guy who is building the stadium and will be putting this on the taxpayer's burden is just like, how about my, uh, how about the Gulf stream? How about the LA Kings? Like clearly this is not normal. Right. And but it's, another instance, like, it's, it, it's just one of those other instances where Brandon gets more stuff <clears throat> and then assumes that's only because he needs to get more notoriety. Like, mm. He likes the stuff, the benefits, the perks, the whatever you want to call it that come with a big paper or a big opportunity, but doesn't realize that there's a reason that Peter gets those things, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like Peter is just trying to pull the wool over Brandon's Mm -hmm. eyes or something by being like, hey, I'm going to mention your name to my editors in New York. Are you cool with that? Right. Like he's going to not be. Exactly. And like we go – I guess this was at the Beverly Beat. And so once Peter gets out of the way, then Steve decides he's got to break up with Jill. But apparently he's never broken up with someone before. So he has to be taught how to do it. 
Yeah, and there's this is the point I wrote in my notes. I was like, Janet hasn't done anything. Mm-hmm. Like she's literally just reaction. She's standing there, just like making shocked face when yep. they find out that Steve has never broken up with a girl before. Yep. She's not doing anything up until this point. Well, and I think this is a good way to like keep with this storyline real quick because mm. later on, Steve is now practicing breaking up with Jill on Janet. And to your point about her only having reactions reactions, is she's just like, no, you can't say that. Like every time he says something, he starts to say something, he's like, she's like, absolutely not. You cannot say that. <laughs> and thank God for Janet. <laughs> Because he tries – the first breakup line he has is, I can't commit to one woman. Oh, my God. Like, Shannon's like, never. Never yeah. say that again. Exactly. Oh, my God. I love her. But, yeah, there's this, like, really fun little switch where Steve has been practicing with Janet and she's giving him suggestions on how to break up with Jill. And then one of the times he's practicing, we actually get a flip and we're in Steve's bedroom and he's trying to break up with Jill. But she's like, oh, my gosh. You're being weird because you forgot. And she pulls out the one-month anniversary gift and, like, girl, go home. Just go home. This is bad. She she got him a professional headshot in a heart-shaped frame. I think my favorite thing is how many gifts on this show are just headshots. <laughs> It's just, first of all, it always annoys me when people call it my one month anniversary, because if you're a grammar slash like linguistic person like I am, Annie means year. That is a stem part of a word that means year. So therefore you cannot inherently have a one month anniversary. You may have a, whatever the fraction of one over 12 is decimal point anniversary but you cannot have a one month anniversary so that bothered me but for reasons that our listeners probably don't care about but then yeah the fact that it's just like this little picture of her of her headshot in a heart-shaped frame she thought that's a good gift well and apparently he thought it was a good enough gift that he doesn't break up with her he pivots <laughs> and is just like i can't go to the ballet tonight that's why i'm sad and it's like he never even explains why. She's just like, oh, it's because you forgot our anniversary, our month anniversary, so we can't go to the ballet as punishment? As a reward? Like, what? <laughs> right? Like, she is not handling this the way that she should be. She should be like, okay, I can forgive, like, one of these things, but this is a, supposed to be a special date. Like, you're just <laughs> yeah. bailing on the date, too? Exactly. Oh, my gosh. And then... There's a very quick scene where um, there's a couple of quick scenes that'll like, you know, lead up for everything else that's happening this night because Kelly goes, she finally goes to Chris's apartment to talk to his mom and kind of apologize for what happened. She had said earlier to Brandon when she found Chris, she actually was like too cowardly to go in and talk to his mom. She felt so bad about what happened and her mom actually takes it, Chris's mom actually takes it really well. Mm-hmm. She says that, like, if Chris wants to go back and work at the clinic, he totally can. But, like, he's faced a lot of disappointment in his life. The reason he loves the Ellie King so much is because his older brother used to take him to hockey games and they would go skate together and all this stuff. But his brother lives across the country now. So, like, he doesn't get that anymore. So he just is at home loving the Kings by himself. 
Right. And then we get another little scene where Val is back at the beach apartment and just like holds up the necklace and is like, hey, guess what? It's me too. <laughs> and Donna just slams the door in her face. I love that Val is constantly just like, you're going to thank me one day. And I'm like, for what? <laughs> for what? And like, this is going to come back later, but this was just the best little scene. She just walks up, holds it up, and Donna's like, you stole from me? And she's like, <laughs> for your own good. Yeah. Just say thank you. It'll all make us feel better. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> so yeah, we've still, oh my God, there's still so much in this episode. So I'm only on like that same thing. Like I happened to glance at, at our recording time and I'm like, holy crap, how we still have a page of my notes to go. <laughs> we probably have like three pages of my notes. This is oh ridiculous. My God. But like, okay, the next one's also good because the next scene, Brandon has brought Kelly again to meet mm -hmm. up with Peter. I can't believe she went with him. I would have been like, no, this is not worth my time. Yep. But they're waiting for Peter at the hotel because he had something really important to say. And it turns out he got a new lead, so he's dropping the one he has and racing off. And Chris or Peter turns into a terrible person. Ooh, like, yeah. He says some things that I'm not going to repeat, but mm -hmm. they're like, you can't disappoint Chris about the Kings. We all said that he could go. We got it all cleared. And this guy is just like, no, screw you and the horse you rode in on. I got to get to D.C. But then the scene ends with Brandon being like, don't say it. And Kelly has to like – it's like word vomit out. She's like trying so hard to hold it and she's like, I told you so. <laughs> yeah, she's like, no, no. I told you so. Oh, I tried. <laughs> it came out. I just, I don't even know. I had to do something. <laughs> oh, man. We get, we get another scene, another short one. Like, I feel like there's a couple that are just like catch ups and then we have the mm -hmm. bigger stuff. But David is writing armpit music. He needs the money. It's almost tax day. So there you go. David's title, writing armpit music. His working title is Don't Cry, Just Keep Me Dry. <laughs> I can't. I can't, David. You're so weird. Are you talking to the deodorant here? Are you telling the deodorant not to cry, just keep me dry? Who are you talking to? <laughs> well, and he knows deodorant's not for your eyeballs, right? Yeah. This one is. <laughs> Gross. Oh, but then... We go to a fancy lobster dinner that Donna and Noah are having. I don't know what day of the week this is, but this feels really excessive to get a full lobster in its shell. And they both have one. Yes. This is so much. <laughs> but I love the way that Donna says this. I didn't write it down because she speaks a lot, but she's like, I couldn't think of a tactful way to say this, so I'm just going to. I got the jewelry appraised and it's a fake. And I'm upset with you. I do love that she's like, originally I got them appraised because of insurance purposes when we know that was never, ever. That the was never. Reason. And he knows it. He's he's like insurance. Really? Yeah. And he gets mad. Like, now granted, do I think he gets mad more mad than he probably should have? Yeah, absolutely. But I it's like Again, this could be a problem solved by good communication, which they had in the very beginning of the episode. And he left out a very important detail. Like, 
Yeah. He reveals in this argument that that was his grandmother's jewelry and his grandmother on his mom's side was very poor. And this was like her favorite thing. It's like this was very important to her. So that's why it's important to me to give to you. And I'm like, why didn't you say that? A day ago. Yeah. He originally gave it. Because, like, that would have changed the entire perspective around the entire thing. That's the thing. I think he has a right to be upset with Donna for just, like, kind of letting this blow out of proportion. But at the same yeah. time, he did not exactly set her up for success. Right. So, yeah. I don't understand. I, he says it later. I still don't understand why he didn't mention a little more information or was just like, don't worry. They're not real diamonds. Like, Something. I think we can probably, like, finish that, right? Because I don't think they have anything to do with the rest of the story. But to me, it's crazy that Donna apologizes for everything. Like, she's so upset and so much crying. And I'm like, yes, however. Like, I understand apologizing, but I'm like, you think he's going to break up with you. And you think he's, like, y'all's relationship is about to be over. And... He ends up saying, like, he didn't want to scare her by telling her that his grandma, this was his grandma's, and, like, she apparently told him to give it, give this to somebody that he really loves. And I'm just like, Donna, you didn't do anything wrong? Like, I I still don't quite understand what Donna did that was so wrong. Yeah, this scene really didn't land for me for a number of reasons, because... It was bored. It was so long for both mm-hmm. of them to just apologize and make up and like right. say they believe each other, whatever. And this keeps happening with them. Like, this is not the first time they've gotten an argument this intense with one of them crying or upset and like trying to break up with the other. But my other issue is that Donna is so quiet mm-hmm. in this entire se- She's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't yeah. mean to do it. Fell got to me. Right. Sniffle. Like, that's the thing is, like, she was so, I think the word I want to use is small. Yeah, that's what I would say. I think she was going for meek, but it was just, yeah, like, an audio issue. Yeah, it just (laughs) didn't work. Have you seen the newest season of What We Do in the Shadows? Uh Uh-huh. You know when they get kidnapped by all the energy vampires and Aparna Nancharla is sitting at the end and she's like, I'm speaking. I'm I'm practically yelling over here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you can't hear me. <laughs> yeah. That's what was happening here. That, yeah, that is kind of like that. And it's like, if that was an acting choice, I worry. I disagree. Yeah, I disagree. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I worry what she's trying to portray Donna to be with Noah. Like, afraid of him? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's yeah, it's not I good. Know. I don't like. Well, the fact that we're all using different words for like meek, small, like mm-hmm. that's not a good sign for a relationship. I don't know what the word is that I want to say, but like, bad comes to mind. <laughs> and again, I just don't understand. Like, like I know, I guess what she did wrong was assuming he doesn't love her as much as the necklace says he does but i'm like that's not anything wrong that's just bad communicate like they both were not communicating with each other that that means you're both wrong but that doesn't mean that donna should be apologizing and noah shouldn't be noah should have been like i should have told you sooner but i was scared which he does 
say he didn't want to scare her, but he's not like admitting fault here. And so I'm like, it just, like you said, it didn't land because I'm still stuck on what did Donna do that was so wrong outside of getting the jewelry appraised behind her back and falling for Val's trap. The only thing that I can think of is that Donna mostly feels embarrassed for letting Val get in her head and make mm-hmm. and make her maybe realize something about herself that she does care about expensive gifts. Right. Because, mm-hmm. like, but- I'm pretty sure Donna assumed at the beginning that they were real diamonds. And then yeah. Valerie yeah. was like, ooh, sparkly <laughs> money. That's the thing. Like... No, we should all feel bad if we fall for a Valerie prank. Like, that's just – if you get maloned, it's on you at this point. <laughs> well, and I get that too. And yeah, I guess like he ends up saying – I don't know. He like tells her like Val does this. Like Val wants to stir the pot or – I don't know. Anyway. No, yeah. She she says that. Yeah. No, it's – it's so silly. They make up. They're fine. I guess we'll see what they don't tell each other next week. I don't know. <laughs> um, but then, okay, so we we could probably do a lot of the Kellys and Brandon stuff too now that uh, Peter Rabbit's gone. Yeah. Because, like, oh my gosh, so heartbreaking. They're going over to Chris's apartment to break the news to him, but he comes out with his mom And she's like, he woke up at five. He made us all breakfast. He's so excited to go skating. And then I wanted to cry because Mm -hmm. they were just like, I have horrible news. And then they just stood there for a minute. But then Brandon knows someone through a normal connection like work and not just, hi, my name is Peter. Maybe you've heard of me. Yeah, this one made sense. Not at first, because I didn't know where he was going with this. But then no. when we get to the reveal, which is basically they go to this, it almost kind of looked like a um like a skating rink, like um, like when we like a roller rink when we were kids and had birthday parties mm-hmm. and stuff there. It looks like yeah. that, but with ice and which is so funny that that would be in LA Beverly Hills, but Anyway, so it looked like that, like an entertainment center or something like that. Um, And so they go there, and when Chris sees the Zamboni, oh, I melted. I could have melted that ice. Like, oh, it was just so sweet. And I was laughing so hard when the manager was like, for another six months of advertising, he can ride that thing. And Brandon is just like, okay, fine, but I get to ride it too. <laughs> yeah. And when like Chris's mom like thanks Kelly for, you know, figuring out a solution, for never giving up, for being patient, like all this kind of stuff. And Kelly's just like, I mean, look at him. My boy, I can't tell who's happier, him or my boyfriend. And I'm like, fair. Look at him. And fair. Brandon was all Absolutely smiling all point. happy. Yeah. Oh, and then the manager of the skating rink, which seems very dead and cannot afford to hire new people. Yeah. But they give Chris a job being the skate guy. So all he has to do is trade in and out skates. Like, it's it's not going to be a thing where, like, a shelf is full and then he gets yelled at. Like, mm-hmm. presumably we'll be good here and he's got, like, a very solid one job, but he gets all the skate time that he wants. And... 
this will presumably help him get to financial independence and he can live in that apartment complex that Kelly was talking about that Peter was just like, meh, that's fine. God, I just, ugh, Chris, what a sweet, 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 sweet boy. Loved him. Um, oh, we have to go sure. back. Why did we end on Steve? <laughs> oh, no, we didn't. We didn't. We did. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Let's do Steve now. Do Steve now. Yeah. Because, yeah. okay. <laughs> well, so when last we saw Steve, he was failing to break up with Jill, at which point you knew, like, Steve will not get out of this episode having broken up with a girl. It will still not have come true. Mm-hmm. And she comes to the Beverly Beat to break up with Steve. And she tells him it's because he's ambivalent. And he goes, I'm not ambivalent. I'm just not sure. (laughs) Like, brother. (laughs) My dude, you own a newspaper. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she breaks up with him. And she, like, makes it a little dramatic. She's like, don't make this harder than it is. She stops back at the door to blow a kiss to him. And then he's like, I am pathetic because I can't find a girl. And they always dump me. And then he and Janet have a moment. Which is so funny to me because Janet is like, hey, you're not pathetic. I think honestly, underneath all of that bluster, you're warm, you're compassionate. You just need to find the right girl and somebody that you can be friends with first and then lovers. And as she says, then lovers, she like touches his hand. I'm like, Janet, you're telling him to do better. stay. Not as you do. Like, calm your tits, woman. (laughs) Right? Like, I want her to get everything that she wants. But, like, you know him. You've seen him. You just watched this. Yes. You you remember he was dead two weeks ago. (laughs) She heard the the one good bounce and was like, how can I say no to that? (laughs) (laughs) She, his partner had to quit for her to get health insurance. (laughs) like girl run away but no she like saunters off she's like "Mm, yeah I don't know how you're gonna find that woman and then Steve makes this face like oh it's her he's so dumb oh my god he's so dumb he is so easily ensorcelled by any woman like any woman no they're all so easily ensorcelled I know that's Mm -hmm. basically the whole point of this episode is like the thing is not really the thing. Right. But it's like it's like what it is with David and Kyle in these last few scenes because they're going through all of his music. Kyle can't find the right thing for the deodorant commercial. But then David's just like, oh, well, I have this last song, which is Val's song. And it's hilarious that Kyle is like, this is amazing for deodorant. <laughs> yeah. And when I heard that, he was like, do you have anything more rant- romantic? And I was like – for deodorant? For antiperspirant? For stuff that goes under your armpits? <laughs> yes. It's so funny, though, because it, like, you know how, I don't know if you guys know this, but, like, you know how Charlie Puth is, like, really good at taking just, like, regular sounds and turning them into a song or whatever? It's like he can take little tones. Like, he did it on Jimmy Fallon, and he does it on TikTok all the time, but he takes, like, the sound of a glass clinking and he records it and he like pitches it up or down and like puts it with a bunch of stuff and boom, here's a song. It's very cool. And I'm like, I don't think that's appreciated enough anyway. 
but that's like the vibe I'm getting from Kyle here, where he's like, no, that's too poppy. No, that's too 70s. No, that's too street or whatever he says. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, do you have something more romantic? Because in my mind, I think he has like this kind of like tone or sort of vibe in his mind. And when he plays that, he's like, oh, if we speed that up, if we pitch it up, if we do this, that and the other, that's mm-hmm. it. Because then when we hear David playing at his apartment or his house or whatever, it is a little faster because Val's like, I don't recognize this at all. And then he slows it back down. He's like, now what do you think? She's like, oh, that's my song. <laughs> and he goes, not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Which like, okay, so the first time he passed off a song for her, it was actually for Donna. Yep. He finally writes a song for her and gives it away to deodorant. <laughs> like if but they like- end... If this relationship ends, which we know eventually it will, but if it does, it'll be because David stole away a song from Val for the last time. <laughs> which is so funny to me because I realized in this last moment, I was like, I feel like it's, it's right in front of them. David just really needs to realize that when he writes with passion, when he's happy mm. about what he's doing, it's amazing and people love it and he gets right acclaim and royalty checks and commercials but instead he's just like i'm earning armpit music yeah it's like he's doing too many word associations and he needs to just like let it all go stop overthinking and just do yeah but that is the episode i don't know how they fit it into 45 minutes it took me an hour and a half to watch it and over an hour and a half to talk about it like insane how much they stuffed in this episode and enough that like it wasn't just throwaway stuff like we had a few short scenes but we are still like providing a lot of commentary on those mm-hmm. short scenes yeah i mean we're still setting up like new pieces of things like you know david getting this new job Donna and Noah having another fight, like Steve mm-hmm. realizing who Janet is. Like they are still developing storylines. Yeah. I just it it was so much and it was I actually looked this episode aired on April 1st and I was like, is there any way this is a joke? Like it is just <laughs> so ridiculous. Oh my god, but if they knew that it was going to air then they should have totally like I would love for them to have done like an April Fools type episode. Like oh same. That would be fun. I would love it so much. Okay. But in this wild and crazy episode, do you have one single solitary quote of the week? Sure do. Sure do. And we have talked about it. Let me get through my six pages of notes. (laughs) Okay. Well, I have to nominate in that very first like group of scenes at Casa Walsh when Kelly is like, I hope your meeting is glorious. And Brandon goes, with support like that, how could it not be? Mm-hmm. And then at the Peach Pit, when Kelly says, what if your man can't afford diamonds? And Val says, I think that's something only you should worry about, Kel. Ding, ding, ding. That is the winner. Yeah, like oh. just any Val and Kelly banter has the – like almost a shoe in to being a front runner because <laughs> everything else I have is like I don't do armpit music or in the middle yeah. of a good bounce like, well and those were so <laughs> those were extremely high contenders I must say <laughs> Ooh, okay my last one and then I will seed the floor uh 
when Kelly turns to Brandon and goes, I feel like I held you back when I got shot. Dude. I'm sorry I got shot and that derailed your life. <laughs> you just really wanted to move to San Francisco and I and, got shot. <laughs> and somebody shot me and I held you back. These things so? lead to the other. <laughs> Ridiculous. Okay, I'm done. Mary, do you have any quotes? Um, None that you haven't said already. Okay. Um, let's see... Um, honestly, I did write one down that I think they've actually used on this show before with Steve and Brandon Ooh. when Steve's like, is she great or what? And Brandon goes, what? Oh, yeah, they probably like, I, I feel they like have. they've I feel like they've done that together before, but I like it every time. So mm-hmm. I wrote it down. <laughs> you know what? If that's the recurring bit between the two of them, I'm for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, as for moments. Steve's clap lights made me laugh out loud. <laughs> I died. Satin sheets and the clapper. Could he be any more obvious? He did that little growl thing too. And he's like, oh, I know. And then. <laughs> <laughs> like that kind of stuff. I get it. But you know what? It's happening again. I no. can't let Steve back <laughs> into my life. Don't do it. <laughs> no, I'm not that stupid. <laughs> But yeah, otherwise, okay. that relationship beginning the end within 15 minutes of this first or the first 16 minutes of the episode. That was amazing. It was perfect. Okay, Caitlin, what is next week's episode? All right. So, and let me just double check the number. Yep. All right. So next week we have season bleh, season eight, episode 27, Reunion. Okay, well, it's the Beverly High reunion that they talked about a couple weeks ago. What if Kyle shows up again and we get a new, a, th- a third Kyle in three oh weeks, but it's it's OG Kyle. Oh, we loved Kyle. We loved Kyle. I bet he's having a great life in New York and hasn't thought about Kelly Taylor since that summer. <laughs> since that oh summer. Since that well, summer. Okay. I do. I cannot wait for them to go to their high school reunion, their five-year high school reunion, and just be given awards about how amazing Brandon is and how beautiful Kelly and Donna are and how successful they've all become and nobody else. Like, please let it be like a Pulitzer for the high school alumni. You know what I'm saying? Like something like (laughs) that that he could win. I need that to happen. I just, I'm telling you, I need them to like redo the song from Senior Breakfast. <laughs> Noah and Janet are just like, no, mm-hmm. please get me out of here. Mm-hmm. But we'll find out next week. And until then, you can follow us on Instagram at Back to Podcast. You can also send us over emails if you'd like with anything you'd like to say, questions, comments, concerns, all that good stuff at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen. It really helps us build a community and give you all a better product. And if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the show because we really appreciate you. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, 
I'm going to go file David's tax extension for him. I'm going to go get some free Zamboni rides. And I will always treasure you. Bye. Bye. See ya.